Today we're going to open up the Gospel of Mark. And we're going to check out the books that are associated with the Apostle Peter. Now most think that Mark was actually the first Gospel to be written. And I'd say, I'm not going to argue with that. Um, the Gospels of Matthew and Luke, they focus on what Jesus said. The Gospel of John focuses on, on who Jesus was, really his character, his temperament, the, the man, Christ Jesus. And then the Gospel of Mark is one of those that focuses on what Jesus did. What did he do? It's an action book. If you like action movies, if you like fast-moving, action-packed movies that get to the main scene as fast as they can, you're going to like the Gospel of Mark. Women, you'll enjoy it too, but men, I'm telling you what, you're going to like this. This is an action movie. It's the Gospel of Mark. Who wrote this Gospel? None of the Gospel writers actually put their name in it and said, hey, I'm the guy who wrote it. They, they just didn't do that. But it's pretty clear who wrote each one of the Gospels. And in this case, a guy named Mark <laughs> wrote the Gospel of, of Mark. That's why we call it the Gospel of Mark. And who was he? His actual name was John Mark. John Mark. John was his Hebrew name. Mark was his Roman name. His name was John Mark. But Mark didn't just write this from his own perspective. It's not, hey... John Mark, here's everything I think about Jesus. Here's everything I saw with Jesus. No, John Mark was a disciple of the Apostle Peter. You know, you got Titus and Timothy who were kind of like the, the, the spiritual sons of the Apostle Paul. You got this guy named John Mark who really hung out, did a whole lot of ministry with the Apostle Peter. And so what we have in the Gospel of Mark is John Mark giving us an account of primarily Peter's account of the ministry, the life of Jesus. So here we go. The Gospel of Mark, fast moving. I was just at an auction this week. I feel like talking really fast. Like, hey, 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 come on, give me one, give me two. Yeah, let's get to this. Anyway, it's a fast moving gospel. And so point number one today is going to be the immediacy of ministry. The immediacy of ministry. Mark's gospel depicts Jesus as always on the move. He's intentionally going someplace. There's always forward motion. And what is he moving toward very quickly? He's moving toward the cross and the resurrection. His purpose for coming to this earth. His purpose for putting on flesh. And the gospel of Mark gets us to the cross and to the resurrection rather quickly. Some people say it's 35 times. Others say it's as many as 42 times that the word immediately is used in this gospel. The gospel of Mark. Immediately this happened. Immediately he said this. Immediately they called. Immediately he followed. It says in Mark 1, 17 and 18, Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for men, to be fishers of men, fishers of people. And it says in verse 18, At once, or immediately, they left their nets and they followed him. And then in verse 20, we see it again. And immediately, Jesus called some other disciples and they left their father Zebedee in the boat and the hired servants and went after him. The Gospel of Mark, fast moving. Everything happens very quickly. Why? To get us to the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. As I was reading the Gospel of Mark this past week, and I saw that immediacy of, of Jesus and his ministry, I thought to myself, 
you know, I don't know if it's just me, but I think there probably needs to be a little more immediacy in the church today. I'm thinking, you know, there probably needs to be, you know, a little more kind of like immediately follow when Jesus says, follow me. Immediately leave everything else behind. Immediately obey. Immediately do that thing God has called you to do. Be that person he's called you to be. Immediately share the gospel. Share Jesus with your neighbor, with your coworker, with your friend, with your family member. Y'all, we're not promised tomorrow. There's an immediacy to life. There's an urgency to this life. I mean, the Bible itself says you're not promised tomorrow. But you got today. You've been blessed with today. You've been graced with today. I have a friend, and some of you might have heard this story since we're 14 years old now at the church. Some of these stories are going to come back around for you long timers, all right? So I've got a friend. So we, I, I, I really came alive by being part of a small group. I went to church for a long time. I went through the motions. I was a consumer Christian. I just went to church. I just, I, and, and frankly, I wasn't growing a whole lot because I just, it, was, it wasn't really about Jesus. And I wasn't letting anybody in my life, and nobody was able to challenge me or anything like that. I was just flying under the radar. But that's another story for another time. And, but I got in a small group with three other guys. There was four of us. And we would meet at, at 6.30 in the morning over at a Starbucks. And that was before Starbucks became overly woke. But anyway, that's a whole other story. I hate that I like Starbucks coffee. I just hate that. It's like really, oh. But anyway, we met at Starbucks. So we're at Starbucks one morning. And we're studying the Bible. We're challenging each other. And we're growing in the Lord together. And I mean, it's like God was really moving in our lives. And, and we're sitting there. And all of a sudden, my friend jumps up. His name was Chris. Um, and he jumps up from his chair. And he starts running around the outside of the building. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on with this guy. But um, I don't think it's necessarily like he's doing one of those crazy Holy Spirit dances or anything like that. I mean, it wasn't that case. But he gets up, he's running around the building. All of a sudden, he comes back around the building, he sits down, and he's all dejected. He looks sad. He's got this sad look on his face. I'm like, what's up, man? What's that all about? He said, let me tell you what just happened. He said, we've been sitting here, and the way I've been looking, I saw this guy over across the patio from us in a wheelchair. And from the time my eyes hit that man, I felt the Holy Spirit saying, go and pray for him and see if I'll heal him today. But I kept putting it off and coming up with excuses of why I couldn't go over there right then. He said, then we got talking. I looked up and the guy was gone. And that's why I got up and was running around the building trying to find him. And I didn't. I missed it. Y'all, there, there is an immediacy to ministry. There is a right now opportunity to minister the gospel, the kingdom of God right now to other people. And sometimes that window shuts, that opportunity is gone. We don't have to be those who live with regret like my buddy did on that day. Man, when we're prompted by the Holy Spirit, when we see a need, 
when we see somebody that we're supposed to minister to, which I will tell you this, it's probably every single day, take the opportunity. Take the opportunity. So are you making the most of every moment? Are you, as a follower of Jesus, are you treating each day as precious, as a gift from God? And are you treating each day and each opportunity as an opportunity to minister Jesus to others? Is that how you're living? Jesus went about that way with compassion, looking for those he could minister to. And we're called to be like Christ and follow him and be like him in our world today. And just as we see the immediacy of the ministry of Christ in the gospel of Mark, it was three years on this earth. As we see that immediacy, we have that in our own lives as well. We're not promised tomorrow. All right. By the way, I've got more challenges like that in the message today. This is, this is just what God is stirring up in us. And being challenged is a good thing. We all need to be challenged. We all need a good swift kick in the butt sometimes. And you can look at your husband and wives and say, you know, he's talking to you right now. But we all need that. So look, when you're reading the Gospel of Mark, here's what happens. The first couple pages, it's like the first two and a half years. Just like, boom. Go through those first couple, two, two and a half years of, of the ministry of Jesus. And then the next couple pages of the gospel, it, it gets down to like the month or two right before he's crucified. And then before you know it, like half the gospel is all about focusing on those last hours and moments of the life of Jesus as and before he goes to the cross and fulfills the calling that he has, and that is to be a ransom for all of us. That's the gospel of Mark. In a nutshell, it culminates at that place called Golgotha. I've been to Israel. I've been to a place where it looks like that could have been the, the, the place of the skull. When you look at that, 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 that kind of that side of that mountain, you can see this, this, this picture almost of a skull on there. It's very, it's wild and exciting at the same time when you see that. But the Gospel of Mark gets us to Golgotha very quickly and gets us to the cross and then the resurrection very, very quickly. Because it's an action kind of a book. Now, speaking of the cross and just the moments right before the cross, the Gospel of Mark has this vivid account of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. I want to roll this little video. This is a video I took actually when I was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Over in Israel, this was back in 2018 is when I took this video. I was there also in 2019. And I'm going to tell you what, to be in this place, the very place where Jesus was on the night that he was betrayed, and to pray in that place, and to spend time with the Lord in that place, and to understand what Jesus was doing in that place as he's just about even just sweating blood as he's crying out and he's saying father if it's possible take this cup from me but not my will but yours be done as as these these sinners are coming and and they're they're arresting and beating the one who knew no sin it was incredible to be in that place incredible but in the gospel of mark we see a very vivid account of what happened in the garden of gethsemane and 
The word is, and, and what theologians surmise, surmise from this, is that John Mark was actually there and was an eyewitness to what was happening. And some would say that he's the young man that ran away and the, and the, the soldier grabbed his cloak and he ended up running away naked. But he saw what was happening. He saw what Jesus was praying. He, he saw what was coming upon our Savior. Here's what I grab from this. Kind of another little life lesson that we can see as we just read God's word and we let it speak to us personally. When I see this, I see a young man who was close to Jesus. And when he was able to hear the words of Jesus and watch Jesus and see Jesus processing things and doing things that were incredible. Y'all, there are things that you will never experience if you do not get close to Jesus. If you do not make it a point to stay up late or wake up early, whatever it might be, and get close to Jesus, there are things that you will miss and never see and never experience in your life. Get close to him. Have eyes for him. Ears to hear him. Position yourself to be where he is. You hear what I'm saying? Position yourselves to be where Jesus is. I want to just go ahead and say this. You know where Jesus typically was? He was with those who were sick, spiritually sick, lost, hurting, broken, full of sin. He didn't come for the healthy. He came for the sick. Get close to Jesus. Be where, where Jesus is. And start experiencing more of him. All right. Point number two. Look out, world. Here comes the kingdom of God. All right. The gospel of Mark. Look out, world. Here comes the kingdom of God. The gospel of Mark is mostly about what Jesus did in his earthly ministry when he walked on this earth, specifically those three years when he was doing ministry. And what did Jesus do? When you read the Gospel of Mark, you're going to see Jesus preached. Jesus casted out demons. Ooh. Anyway, he healed people. He healed the sick. He invited people to follow him. It says in Mark 1, 14 and 15, after John was put in prison, um, John the Baptist, the forerunner, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. In verse 15, says, the time has come, Jesus said. The kingdom of God has come near. So repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of God has come near. That word kingdom is, is basileia. It's a Greek word here in the New Testament. And it's found 162 times in the New Testament. Kingdom. What is this kingdom that Jesus preached of? What is this kingdom that he said is near? And then in other places said has come and is coming. What is this kingdom? 
Is it like a physical kingdom, a physical reality? Is it just a spiritual reality that we experience now as his followers? Are there real subjects to a real king in this kingdom that's, that's near or has come? I mean, what is this kingdom of God? Well, I got a definition just to, to put it kind of simply and quote-unquote theologically. The kingdom of God is a, mess, it's, it's a message and a reality of God's sovereignty and his design for all things. God's kingdom is his way and his will for this world. That's the kingdom of God. It's his design. How he designed things. How he willed things to be on this earth. If you want to know what the kingdom of God is, looks like on this earth, go back, to, go back to the Garden of Eden before sin entered. Where mankind was living without death. There was no death. There was no brokenness there was no separation between us and god god would actually come down onto this earth he created and walk with man in the cool of the day and talk like physically be there that's the kingdom of god that's god's design his plan his will for this world that he created sin came messed it all up god doesn't come and walk in the same way, in the cool of the day with mankind. There's been a separation. But Jesus came, and he stepped back. God stepped back on this earth, fully God, fully man, in the Son, Christ Jesus. And he said, okay, here comes the kingdom again. Here comes the kingdom again. And then he teaches us to even pray that his kingdom, God's kingdom, would come on this earth once again as it is in heaven. That God's design would once again be the way of this world. That's the kingdom of God. It's his sovereign, perfect plan and purpose for mankind and for this world that he created. Nothing missing, nothing broken, all things right. God's way. No more death, no more pain, no more sorrow. You know, I read, I read that somewhere. I, it's in a book called Revelation, chapter 21. Because that's where it's all going back to. Because God is just that good. We mess it up. But he's going to restore it. And he's already, he's already done it. We're just living out the last few chapters of this right now. So the gospel of the kingdom, it includes the necessity for salvation through Christ alone, most definitely. But the gospel of the kingdom also calls for repentance. Did you see that when Jesus said that the kingdom of God has come near and Jesus himself said, so repent. Think differently now. Think kingdom. Think God's way now. Repent and believe this good news. You see, we're saved for a purpose, y'all. To live differently. To be kingdom of God people now. Seeing things God's way. And doing things God's way. And partnering with him as we're seeing his will and his way and his design once again come to this earth. Y'all, when we get to Revelation, 
It's amazing. I was sharing the book of Revelation. I was sharing the, the, the end times prophetic words and pictures that Christ has given us. And then John in the book of Revelation and Daniel, all these places. And in, 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 in First Thessalonians, all these places where we see end times stuff. And, and God give us clear pictures of what's about to happen. I was sharing this with one of Ben's best friends. And he's like, I've never heard that before. And he was like, he's, he's a 19-year-old getting like excited like starting to jump up and down saying, this is good news. This is exciting. Because the kingdom of God is exciting. And it is near. And it is here. And it's coming. The now and the not yet. It's coming. It's here. But Jesus didn't only preach the kingdom of God. He also demonstrated the kingdom of God. How? He healed sick people. Because there was no sickness. There's no sickness in God's kingdom. In God's design. There's no death. So Jesus didn't just talk about the kingdom and preach the kingdom. He did the kingdom. He brought the kingdom. He showed the kingdom. He healed the sick. Going to heal my throat right now. You can hear it a little bit, right? It's what he does. God, may your kingdom come. Your will be done right here, right now. Amen. In fact, I'm going to have a little water right now. Talk amongst yourselves. You don't hear that from a preacher very often, right? Just go, just have a little chat, just talk, right? Um, he did the kingdom. He brought the kingdom. He healed the sick. He did miracles. He casts out demons. He pushed back darkness like for real. It's like what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4.20, for the kingdom of God is not a matter just of talk but also of power. Not just a bunch of talk. Y'all, the church has got to stop being a people of talk. And we got to be a people of power. We got to do both. We got to talk and we got to back up our talk with our walk. And we got to expect God to show up and pray like he's going to show up. And minister to one another as though the power of God is real right here and right now. Jesus brought God's original designs. He brought them back to this earth. On earth as it is in heaven. And then at the end of Mark, we find Jesus commissioning. The great commission in the gospel of Mark is found in chapter 16 of the gospel of Mark. And we find at the end of, of Mark, we find Jesus commissioning his followers to do the same kind of ministry that he was doing when he walked on this earth. Check this out. This is Jesus talking to his followers. Are you his follower? Come on, are you his follower? So Jesus said to them, his followers... He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Y'all, we got to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus with everyone. And that includes you. All of us do. So go and preach the gospel to all creation. And then he says, whoever believes and is baptized, have you believed? Are you, have you been baptized? Amen? Come on, raise your hands. We're going to do a little participation here. Come on. We're alive. Here we are, Lord. We're alive. Whoever believes and has been baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And that's no joke. And these signs will accompany those who just raise their hands in this room and believe. These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. Huh? Yeah. They will speak in new tongues. Huh? Yeah. They will pick up snakes with their hands. Now, that's an interesting one, by the way. 
I have picked up a snake with my hands and it bit me when I was a kid. I don't like that whole thing, but I'm just, anyway. They'll pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. Now, some people say, but pastor, in my Bible, there's a footnote that says, well, this, this passage of Scripture at the end of Mark wasn't in all of the original translations of the Gospel of Mark. And I'm like, yeah. I believe that because these are people who who know their stuff and have done all the homework. But this is also what I know is that the Holy Spirit, just as he directed all the writers of the New Testament, he directed those who gave us the canonized word of God. And that's in every translation of the Bible I have. And here's the other thing about that passage of Scripture is that we see those same kind of of those same kind of actions, the same kind of ministry of the people of God we see elsewhere throughout the New Testament. We see the disciples of Jesus. We see Paul. Remember Paul? He was on the island and he got bit by the snake and he didn't die because the Lord had more ministry for him to do. It was not his time. The disciples of Jesus would cast out demons. We just talked in our, in our time of ministry right here. Peter and John went to pray. They met a lame man on the way. Put out his palm. He asked for alms. What did Peter say? Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And that lame man was healed. Just a follower of Jesus. Just doing this ministry that we see presented at the end of the Gospel of Mark. Not just talking about the kingdom of God. Not just saying God has got a power. But actually walking in that power. Not whooping it up. Not, not, not making it up. Not trying to stir it up. But just believing it. And when God has us pray for somebody, we just pray in the name of Jesus. And we know that anything can happen in that moment. Anything. So as you read the Gospel of Mark this week, look for the kingdom of God. And I want to encourage you, catch a vision for how God wants you to live in his ways. And how he wants you to minister his kingdom to other people. Ask him, what does this mean for me? My life. These people that you put on my heart to minister to, what does this mean? What does this look like? Maybe read through the Gospel of Mark again and Let the Holy Spirit lead you into this kind of kingdom life and ministry. Not just talking about it, but but living it and expecting it. Not pretending. You don't have to make things up. You don't have to help the Holy Spirit. You don't have to help God. You don't have to pray loud. If I pray louder, say a few more words, man. If I, when I'm praying, if I diagnose what the problem is in my prayer, like I'm some kind of a doctor when I'm praying, I'm sorry. That just that just cracks me up sometimes. I'm just that's just a personal thing. People praying, and it's like, what, are you a doctor or something? How about Jesus heal this person? We don't know what's wrong, but God, they need you. Anyway, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We should believe that, and we should expect that, and we should walk in that truth. But check this out. Jesus was actually criticized for bringing God's kingdom to this earth when he ministered on this earth in those three years. He was criticized. He was rebuked. He was made fun of. 
How many of you who have kids have ever done something that you know it's really helping your kid out, right? It's really helping your child out. You're probably saving them a lot of heartache by, by what you just did for them. But when you do that for them, they get mad at you. Have you ever done a huge favor for somebody and they get mad at you for blessing them? Ben's never done that. He's, he's my, my boy here. But anyway, it's like that, that happened to Jesus all the time. He would like do a miracle. He'd set people free. He'd, he'd heal people. He'd do stuff. And then people get mad at him. Get upset with him. It's like, what's up with that? People. People. In fact, religious leaders claimed that he was casting out demons, not by the power of God, but by the power of demons. Okay, I'm casting out demons by the power of demons. Anyway, that's kind of what Jesus said. Are you serious? You know what Jesus, you know what his response to those people who were telling him that you're casting out demons by the power of demons? He said, y'all are blasphemers. Y'all are blasphemers. And you blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Why? Because you've attributed the things of the Holy Spirit to demons. And here's how severe this is. It's in Mark 3, 29. It says, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They are guilty of an eternal sin. Read the context that Jesus gives us. The context of what's going down in Mark chapter 3 to understand What's being presented as blaspheming the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of people who will make all kinds of, of assumptions of what that means. But just read the text of the Gospel of Mark. And it's right there in front of us. Y'all, if, if you ever are listening to somebody who's saying all oh, the gifts of the Spirit, that move of the Spirit, these things of the Spirit are from the demons. I'm going to tell you right now, Run. I'm not saying that every time somebody speaks in tongues, every time somebody prophesies or something, that there's not flesh involved in that or they're not just being stupid, okay? People are stupid. We established that earlier in this message, right? People do stupid things. That's what people do. But demons don't cast out demons. The Holy Spirit does. Very dangerous. I would say like at the highest level, dangerous to attribute the things of the Holy Spirit to demons. To call it strange fire, as one prominent pastor in California does. Dangerous. Dangerous. Then in Mark 5, 15 through 17. We discover that there's, there's some people who prefer the status quo, meaning they prefer demons. They prefer darkness all around them, tormenting them, all part of their lives. They prefer that over the supernatural and over freedom. Check this out. Mark 5, verse 15. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legions of demons sitting there dressed up and in his right mind, and they were afraid. I, I get that part. But then check this out. 
Those who'd seen it told the people what had happened and the demon pos- about the demon-possessed man, and they told about the pigs as well. Remember, all the demons were putting the pigs, and they went and jumped off a cliff and all that, and died, woof, drowned. And it says, then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. We would rather have Jesus leave. We'd rather have the kingdom of God gone out of here. We'd rather have demons all over people and pigs and all this kind of stuff than the this is how crazy the world is. Preferring the status quo, demons, darkness, messed up, depression. I mean, y'all, look at our world today. Our world today would rather have all the junk that's attacking so many people, the increased suicide rates, the massive depression, the mental illness, the addictions, all the stuff, the crazy stuff going on. And Jesus is like, here I am. I'm here to set you free. And they're like, no, thank you. No, thank you. It's happening right here, right now, today. It's insanity. It's craziness. Now, I want to say this before I move forward. There aren't demons around every corner. And no one's ever called to be a demon hunter. We don't go look for demons. Jesus never went looking for demons. They would just show up. And when they showed up, Jesus and now the people of God, we silence them and we cast them out. And we move on with the ministry of the kingdom. Demons are a distraction. They should never be our focus. If your focus is on looking for demons, your focus is absolutely 180 degrees in the wrong direction. And there are not demons around every corner. In fact, I would argue, because Scripture is very clear about this, that the most pain we experience is not a result of demons, but our own sin. Our own flesh. So the Gospel of Mark reveals a common theme, and that's unbelief. We need to be like those that are found in Mark, in the Gospel of Mark, where it says, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Point number three, final point today is this is that the call to servanthood. Matthew's gospel portrays Jesus as a king. The gospel of Mark portrays Jesus as a servant. It says in Mark 10, 45, for even the Son of Man, speaking of Jesus, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I shared this passage of scripture. I shared shared Mark 10, 44 and Mark 10, 45 yesterday morning with a group of 300 people on our front lawn at this town of Gilbert community service event. And I shared the gospel because there's a gospel right now, right there. He didn't come to serve, to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You see, miracles are awesome. Healings are awesome. Casting out demons, it's awesome. A little freaky sometimes. I've been around it. Good teaching is awesome. But Mark underscores that the characteristic that demonstrates the kingdom of God more than anything is humility. It's Jesus being the servant of all. See, Jesus isn't just a king. He's a servant king.
laid down his life. Y'all, if we're going to be like Jesus, we've got to quit being consumers. Jesus didn't come to consume. He came to give. He came to serve. I'm going to tell you what, for the most part, the church in the West today is just another thing to consume for most people. If we're going to be like Jesus, we're not going to be consumers, we're going to be servants. We don't look at what we can get out of life, what we can get out of somebody, what we can get out of a church. We look at what we can give to others. We look at what we can give to others, how we can serve others. Three times in three consecutive chapters, in Mark chapters 8, 9, and 10, three times Mark highlights Jesus informing his disciples about the great sacrifice that he was about to make. He was going to go to the cross. And then the ultimate victory, though, that was going to come after that great sacrifice. Three times, three different chapters, three different times, Jesus told his disciples, here's what's going to go down. I'm giving my life, but I'll be raised again, and there will be victory. Three times, and you want to know what? His disciples, every single time, they either rejected his teaching altogether, or they showed that they were more concerned about themselves. Well, what's in it for me? What's this going to be for me? Who's going to be closest to you in your kingdom? Where am I going to be when all this goes down? Thinking about themselves. Consumers, not servants. Still loved them. He put up with them, he saved them, and he used them, all these guys. They were still consumers more than they were servants. And most of them and all of them changed. For every single one of them, except one, was martyred. Paid the ultimate price to do the ministry of the kingdom of God. See, Jesus wasn't a consumer, he wasn't a servant. And this is something, I found this today, actually this morning, it's great how... Thank you to the AV team, by the way. I changed up things like 14 times this morning. Thank you all very much for this. But check this out. I found this this morning. That's because our phones listen to us, and they know exactly what we're saying and even what we're thinking. And this shows up on my phone this morning. And there's this quote, well done, good and faithful leader. No, good and faithful innovator. Well done, good and faithful boss, CEO. Well done, smarty pants scholar. Well done, influencer. Well done, entrepreneur, businessman. No, well done, my good and faithful servant. The kingdom of God. God's kingdom, God's scorecard. What matters to him. How many of you want to see more young families here at Evident Life Church? Raise your hand. You just want to see more young families raising their kids here at this church. I saw most of the hands go up. How many of you are willing to actually do something about it? How many of you are willing to serve these young families so that they can connect? 
Y'all, I'm setting you up right now, big time. I'm about to slam dunk all over you right now. And I feel 100% like the Holy Spirit is like on my side on this right now. Because I'm going to tell you what, you can talk all you want to talk. And you can say all you want to say about, yeah, it's just so great to see young families at this church. I just want to see more young families. I want to see more kids growing up, knowing Jesus and all that stuff. But you know what? I know that you're serious if you're willing to serve those families. We've had to, over the course of this year, turn some children away from our children's ministry because we don't have enough people helping. We've had to shut down some classrooms because we don't have enough servants serving. That should never be the case in, in the church. It should never be the case, ever. We should have more servants we should have more children's ministry workers, more people raising their hands, making themselves available to serve young families that need Jesus and need people to come alongside of them. It should never be a problem whatsoever. I'm talking to my staff right now about going out and hiring people that don't go to this church to help take care of people. In other words, to make up for the lack of servants in that area. I'm being real with you right now. It should never happen. It's embarrassing. Like, I shouldn't have come to church today. Well, anyway. Y'all, Kelly, I don't know if you know Kelly. You'll see, Kelly's amazing. She's our children's minister. If you heard this message today, and if you've been moved by the Lord today, if you've been moved by the servant of all, the one who was a ransom for you at all today, find Kelly out in that lobby and tell her, I'm here to help you. What do you need? You know what it's probably going to be? One and a half hours every month. That's it. That's it. That's it. And you mean we're going to make room for like dozens of more families to be able to come to this church? Yeah. Dozens. Dozens. Anyway. Y'all still love me? Okay. If I didn't do that, I would have been disobeying the Lord. I'm just being real with you right now. Because that's I just what, what just happened is the Lord just opened up an opportunity for you to step into something that's going to bless you. For it is better to give than to receive. I guarantee you, you will be blessed as you serve others in this way. I guarantee you, you will be blessed if you serve others. I know it. I've lived it. And I bet you, you have too. Let's do it together. Mark 10, 44, and I'm going to end with this. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. That's Jesus talking to us. Whoever wants to be first. Doesn't say it must be smartest. Must know more chapter verses. The Bible, although you should know more and more every, every day, every year. But no. Whoever wants to be first must be the servant of all. Let's stand up.